Welcome to S2 Underground, a freelance intelligence agency fighting terrorism, fake news, and political tyranny around the world. I'm the trouble star, punkin' instigator. They say that you never hear the shot that kills you. We may never know if that is true or not, but what is certain is that you absolutely hear the shot that kills the man next to you. Ever since the turn of the century and the evolution of weapons of mass destruction such as the Maxim machine gun, poison gas, aircraft, and countless other weaponry, humans have gotten really good at killing each other, and consequently a lot better at staying alive too. The transition from a war of motion in the early part of World War I into the bloody wet stalemate of the trenches is a milestone in the history of warfare. Hollywood movies such as 1917 and the recent passing of the last surviving veterans of the Great War has renewed interest in studying one of the most devastating conflicts humanity has ever brought to bear. And in studying this brutal era of warfare, we can learn quite a bit about the origins of military doctrine. Though the Second World War is far more high-profile and far more romanticized, the doctrine of almost every military around the world has its origins in the First World War. The concept of camouflage was first developed for use in warfare during the Great War, so was combined arms warfare, using tanks and infantry together in conjunction with artillery and logistical support. And the return to a war of motion at the end of the conflict was direct inspiration for the Blitzkrieg tactics adopted by the Germans during the Second World War. While it is true that World War II saw the invention of new and horrifying ways for people to kill each other, we also do not give enough credit to the First World War for sparking the ideas that heavily influenced the doctrine that militaries adopted during the Second World War. And even today, we can most certainly take a trip back through history and understand how this doctrine got developed in the first place. We can learn little nuggets of information that can be quite useful in a modern world. And one of those little surprisingly forgotten tidbits of knowledge is the idea of the trench periscope. So let's dive right in and examine how this overwhelmingly useful technology is more useful now than ever before. The trench periscope is quite a simple device with fairly simple origins. Over the years, World War I has become synonymous with trench warfare. The idea of two opposing armies killing each other with such reckless abandon to the point that both sides get exhausted with the slaughter and begin to dig into the ground, right where they stand, so as to have some cover from the carnage. And that's exactly what happened on September 16, 1914, when the first semblances of earthworks and trenches were dug. The first trenches were simply shell scrapes in the earth, or small ditches between shell holes. But by the height of the war, thousands of miles of elaborate trenches and earthworks snaked their way across Europe. Trench warfare was not solely confined to the muddy fields of France. There were elaborate fortifications built in Italy among the sheer rock faces of the Italian Alps, and all the way over to the killing fields of Gallipoli as well. Trenches have become ingrained in the culture of the First World War, along with the fear of instant death at any time. By the time the war on the Western Front had settled into a bloody stalemate, with entire regiments of soldiers being sacrificed on a whim for just a few meters of ground, a fundamental part of daily life was the risk of sticking one's head up above the parapet, even for just a split second. 
On the Western Front, nothing was certain except that if one were to even briefly peek over the top for just a flash of a moment, this action would result in almost instantaneous death brought on by an enemy sniper. The concept of sniping was not invented or first used in warfare during the First World War. In fact, the origins of using precision weapons to target single individuals go back to well before the American Civil War. But by the time the stalemate settled in on the Western Front, snipers on all sides of the conflict had their rifles trained on every single inch of their enemy's trenches. But since it is impractical to wage warfare without at least being able to see the enemy, soldiers had to find a way of getting eyes on the enemy's trench without inviting the crack of a sniper's rifle. Enter the Trench Periscope. The Trench Periscope is a fantastic invention that is devastatingly effective at its intended task. Operating exactly like the periscope on a submarine, a trench periscope allows a person to shift their point of vision to high over their heads. So instead of a submarine using a periscope to hide beneath the waves, a trench periscope was used to get a look at the enemy trench networks without exposing oneself to snipers. In the early days, trench periscopes were very simple inventions, simply just a pair of shaving mirrors arranged in wooden boxes that were built using scraps of wood found in the trenches. As time went on, trench periscopes became much more elaborate, with special artillery spotting binoculars being purpose-made, and even with special brackets being made to hold a rifle, resulting in the even more useful periscope rifle. These devices were used on all fronts of the Great War, and all new soldiers to the front got their first and sometimes only look at the enemy through one of these such trench periscopes. The use of trench periscopes continued into the interwar years, and trench binoculars and periscopes were used heavily in World War II mostly for observing and bracketing artillery strikes. But this is where the amateur historian starts to run out of steam. There simply isn't very much data at all surrounding the usage of trench periscopes during World War II, with a few notable exceptions that we will get to in a moment. It appears that a lot of the literature surrounding the usage of such devices has either been lost to time, or people just didn't write about them because they didn't think it was worth mentioning, or they didn't realize its extremely high value at the time. Remember, the doctrine for the current war is always written during and based on the experiences of the last war and people writing doctrine in the current war either have to be widely successful immediately or face their ideas not coming to fruition. For example, the Special Air Service is a highly effective and invaluable fighting force in the world today, but their disastrous origins almost resulted in that great idea being tanked right from the start. Same with the concept of the military sniper. It was viewed as not only being unnecessary, giving one man a nice rifle and training him to use it to take out one other man seemed like a waste to military leadership at the time, but also sniping was viewed as unsportsmanlike. Using subterfuge was not a gentlemanly way to fight a war, which itself is a tragically ironic note surrounding the slaughter of the Great War. There was nothing gentlemanly or sportsmanlike about it. But the same mentality seems to have continued to World War II surrounding the idea of trench periscopes. Bewegungskrieg, or the War of Motion tactics of the Second World War, meant that static trenches were not really used to the extent that they were in the Great War. So it seems, and this is purely speculation on our part, that people simply thought that since there weren't that many trenches, there weren't that many uses for trench periscopes. There are many other reasons as well, such as it's kind of a bad idea to be holding a mirror in your hand when your enemy is running at you. The highly mobile nature of small unit tactics didn't really 
prioritize the use of such devices. However, there are some aspects of the war that illustrated the infinite uses for such periscopes. And only one nation saw the military utility of fielding great quantities of trench periscopes to soldiers at the lowest levels of command. And that nation was the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, propaganda being the lifeblood of the Soviet Union means that we can never be quite so sure as to the information that we are reading. This is true of most nations during the war as well, but since the successful doctrine writers of allied nations during the war were often shunned by the establishment, think T.E. Lawrence for example, the Soviet Union often took advantage of a good idea and propagandized it. This is especially true of one of the most influential and brilliant, yet most propagandized figures of all time, Vasily Zaitsev. Most people know him from the book Enemy at the Gates, or more likely the atrocious film of the same name. Zaitsev's history, including his rise to fame during the Battle of Stalingrad, is both long and detailed, and also highly propagandized. Even his own autobiography, Notes of a Sniper, contain many serious factual errors, embellishments, and blatantly pro-Soviet propaganda. So we have to take everything with a grain of salt. But what is quite interesting is Zaitsev's heavy use of the trench periscope in urban warfare. Propaganda aside, it is certainly true that Zaitsev is a very influential figure in the field of precision shooting. He was very instrumental in developing the field of urban close-quarter sniping tactics that we still use to this day. Zaitsev's creation of sniper doctrine called the Sixes, in which three teams of two snipers can cover large portions of a city, was used extensively during the Chechen Civil War. So even though it was groundbreaking at the time, Zaitsev's doctrine and tactics would almost certainly have been met with disinterest from Soviet leadership had they not taken advantage of the propaganda value of Zaitsev's skills at the time. In other words, it is quite a rare happenstance that doctrine from a common soldier like Zaitsev was actually picked up and used by the military establishment at the time, even though it was a good idea. This is worth mentioning because it directly translates to the modern usage of seemingly unimportant bits of technology like the trench periscope. As Zaitsev noted in his book, the trench periscope was most useful for not peeking out of trenches, but for looking out of windows, or loopholes in walls, or from behind barricades or any situation where one shouldn't stick one's head out to get a look, which in urban warfare is pretty much every single moment. And considering Zaitsev's rise to fame during the infamous Battle of Stalingrad, the seemingly unimportant details and experiences gained during the birth of modern urban warfare is something that we must not allow to fade into the background of history. Old school tactics in a modern world aren't always effective, but just as we are finding out in our modern world, sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. The battle for Stalingrad was a fight like none other. It is also a moment of great pride and propaganda for Russia even to this day. Lots of experience was gained during this battle, and one could even suggest that the origins of most urban warfare doctrine arose from the experiences gained during this conflict. And interestingly enough, this might be the reason why trench periscopes were developed in such vast quantities during and immediately after the war. No other nation used trench periscopes as much as the Soviets did. Even to this day, one can easily find old Soviet trench periscopes in pristine condition online for a couple hundred bucks. Whereas one would be hard-pressed to find even one single trench periscope made by any other nation. And even if you do, it'll cost several thousands of dollars. It's even hard to find photos of trench periscopes being used. There are only about three or four pictures of trench periscopes from World War II, and only one photo that we know of that shows German soldiers using a captured Soviet periscope. They knew good hardware when they saw it. 
And we even find trench periscopes being used in the current war in Ukraine, with Russians, Ukrainian separatists, and Ukrainian nationals using trench periscopes from World War II, very similar periscopes to the one that Zaitsev himself used in the conflict. And these are being used in modern times for very much the same reasons as when they were first conceived and implemented into practice. Trench periscopes are a great addition to any observation post or surveillance operation, and some might even call the use of such devices mandatory for certain kinds of observation, especially in the close quarters nature of the urban landscape. They are extremely handy for looking around corners or up through windows or up into attic spaces or over the tops of fences. You know, it might seem a bit odd to dedicate an entire video to something as handy but as simple as a trench periscope. It's kind of oddly specific, to the point that one might say, well, yeah, sure, it's handy to have, but I don't understand why it's worth talking so much about. A genuine observation, to be sure. But the common, simple trench periscope is a type of device, a type of hardware, that is so incredibly useful that it cannot be quantified. It is a force multiplier that ranks right up there with thermal optics or night vision devices objects that have saved many lives over the years. That shifts the sentiment from, hey, this is a pretty nice, handy piece of kit, to something that is truly a game changer, which is something that most current nation-state level military doctrine is completely ignorant of. So, taking all of this history into account, you've made the decision that a trench periscope is a tool that you need in your toolbox to increase your capabilities through the complex and rapidly deteriorating times in which we live. Unfortunately, there simply aren't that many options out there. By far, the absolute best kinds of trench periscopes that exist are the old-school Soviet TR and TR-8 trench periscopes. Almost all of these periscopes that you can find were made during the 1950s, and they can, at least right now, be readily found online for less than $200, shipped from outside the United States. So if you want the best that you can buy, you will have to stick with a 70-plus-year-old periscope that was made in the Soviet Union. There is simply no decent modern equivalent, which is surprising, but also points out how warfare at the nation-state level developed in a certain way, which doesn't always directly translate to being useful in a civilian world. In any case, there is one contemporary periscope on the market. That's right, just one. For simplicity's sake, we will call this device the Uzi Periscope, because that's exactly what it is. This periscope is a modern interpretation of World War II Japanese trench periscopes, as far as we can tell from side-by-side -side photographs. This particular periscope is pretty much a child's toy, and is frequently rebranded and sold on dozens of different websites for shockingly different prices. An almost identical periscope even has a national stock number, as it is used, allegedly, by sniper teams in the military. Unfortunately, this periscope is complete and utter garbage. The glass is poor, the entire device is very fragile, and not even remotely water-resistant. Uh, the opening at the top just drinks in rainwater and the cheap Chinese plastic components break pretty much instantly. Even the military version of this is junk. It's basically just a slightly improved Uzi periscope with some 3M camo wrap on it, placed in a cheap case. It's still a piece of junk, even though the price that our military industrial complex has placed on this child's toy is about $600. The exact same periscope can be found on AliExpress for about 40 bucks, which in our opinion is still too high. And that's dangerous. Which is why we're even bothering to talk about a gadget that isn't worth buying. It's not just to tear down the product or the company, but rather an illustration of what we're trying to prevent. When a gadget is invented and it's garbage, it turns people off to the idea itself. And that's a problem because it reduces motivations to innovate a better version, because people just think that the whole idea isn't worth it. 
This idea can be applied to a lot of technologies over the years, but particularly the trench periscope. It's a great idea and a fantastic technology, but since the modern interpretations of it suck, people aren't willing to use it. And since people aren't willing to use it, they are missing out on a seriously force multiplying tool. Again, this highlights why we think this is worth talking about. This idea and this topic is much bigger than a simple metal tube with some glass and mirrors in it. You can go on the internet and buy one of these Uzi periscopes, and it will work, at least for a little while. Or you can take a trip back in time and build your own, just like the soldiers in the trenches of World War I did. It's up to you. All you need is a couple of mirrors and some kind of container to mount them in, and you're pretty much done. Or you can try to find an original Soviet periscope, which is what we here prefer by far. However, be aware, just like we pointed out in our video on field telephones, these ancient but still vastly superior technologies are in fact dwindling. They most certainly don't make them like they used to, and as a result, this is a finite resource. And to address the growing elephant in the room, there are other technologies that have sprung up that can, in a lot of ways, improve on the idea of the trench periscope. Most notable among these is the camera. Yes, it's true. You can achieve more or less the same effect with a camera. A GoPro on a selfie stick can be a very valuable asset to fill one's surveillance or observation needs, and can outperform the trench periscope in almost every way, except for the ways that really count. There are just some things that cameras cannot do. There is a reason that we haven't quite figured out a way to replace optics with digital imagers. Almost all of the optics in the world are still glass for good reasons. The human eye can see through a glass optic better at nighttime than any digital sensor can at the moment. Plus, optical rangefinders and reticles are a critically underrated tool, and all Soviet periscopes have them and the ability to operate in an electromagnetically non-permissive environment or without batteries of any kind is again a valuable feature that we take for granted far too often in today's age. This will absolutely change in the future, but for now we'll stick to our 80-year-old glass. There is a not-so-fine line between being resistant to new technologies and being aware that sometimes old-school technologies are actually far more effective tools now that the world is in the situation that it's in. A trench periscope that is 70 or 80 years old and still works exactly the same as the day that it left the factory will probably continue to work for the rest of our lifetimes. And this is vastly superior to a modern device that will fail within a few years, or will really fail after a few hours when the batteries run out. And just like we have stated many times over, Technology and modernization is great, especially in the tactical world, but sometimes technology is more of a liability than an asset. And while cameras and other sensors do have a rightful place in someone's kit, trench periscopes simply provide so many capabilities in austere environments when other sensors fall short.